are listening to WBCA 102.9 FM, Boston's community radio station. Welcome to the Mindful Aging Show, where we explore the connection between health, mindful aging, and aging gracefully to give you information to make choices that educate and empower you to be your best advocate and live your life fully. The goal of this show is to identify mindful aging from your own perspective and put it into action for you to live a life that you value. Now, many of you know that the last show that I recorded was the introduction to tell you about why I call this the Mindful Aging Show and what I expect to do and share with you. So today, I am officially starting with my first guest, who is a phenomenal person, and I'm going to let her tell you about herself and why I think she is such a wonderful person to do this kickoff to discuss mindful aging. My guest today is Dr. Phyllis Quinlan. Phyllis, welcome. Sebra, I am so excited and honored to be your first guest. Well, Phyllis, tell us a little bit about you. Well, um, I have many lives. Let's start there. Um, I have been a registered nurse for 45 years. Um, I've also been a nurse entrepreneur and have had my own con uh, consulting firm for 30 years. I celebrated my 30th anniversary this month. Fantastic. Um, one of the things that I, I do as a consultant is um, a lot of coaching. So I have been a professional coach for the better part of 20 years, certified by the International Coaching Federation. And I have really kind of retired from clinical nursing um, and have, are doing mostly full-time coaching with professional caregivers, family caregivers, and of course others. And I do that on a one-to-one -one basis. I do it with corporations and such. My, my clinical background as a nurse is a predominantly critical care emergency trauma, which of course I see a lot of um, people coming in over the age of 60, unfortunately, into our critical care settings after a stroke, a heart attack, et cetera. Same thing in our emergency departments. But I also have a dozen years of background in uh, long-term care, assisted living, and uh, subacute care rehabilitation. So there's a lot of geriatric aging well background that I hope to bring to your listeners. And I know that that's just the, those are just a few of the things that you do. <laughs> I have many lives. Yes. yes. Well, I want to jump right into um, the show. And like I said, this is the Mindful Aging Show. And when I gave my introduction, I told our listeners that I really want to get some definitions of what mindful aging is. But first, being mindful. So I'd like for you to talk a little bit about that. Um, th that's a wonderful question. And I, and I, I think uh, it's such an important question, especially with so much going on in the world today at the pace that it's going on in the world today. So being mindful is actually giving yourself permission and the luxury of noticing what's going on around you, noticing the people around you, the situations around you, the energy around you, but also noticing how you are navigating in your world at any given time. So that, you know, we're, we're as humans, we're always in the process of giving and receiving um, and it's time to be mindful of how we participate in the world in a positive way, but it's also very, very important to notice the small miracles and alignments and synergies that are going on in our life. I think with all the 
you know, the, the horrors, the toxicity, the politics, the wars, everything that goes on in the media, it's, it's now our personal responsibility to put some proportion into how the, how the world is today, because there is a lot of good and a lot of good people in the world today. And if you're not paying attention or mindful, you'll miss it. I think that that is so important. And you said something was that really resonated with me if you're not paying attention. And also, you know, with creating this show, I have a lot of people in my life right now that are in their 90s. So I feel very, very grateful to have that wisdom. But when you talk to people in their 90s, when you want to say, are you paying attention? I have had conversations and most recently, many of them have said to me, well, you know, I don't even know I'm still here. Mm. And... I wanted to be a little bit worried at first, but I stepped back and I said, well, if I look at the the four or five different people in their 90s that are around me, some are are really thriving very well for what we consider. Um, Some are for what we consider not thriving well because they have health challenges that they're focusing on. So when you look at, you know, even thinking about a purposeful versus a purpose-filled life and how that factors into mindful aging, I'd like to hear, you know, what, what your thoughts are about that. Um, I, I think that we have to start to realize when aging actually starts. So mm. I'm going to speak as a healthcare professional, a registered nurse. Okay. You know, I, I joke that I was healthy for 39 years, 364 days. And on my 40th birthday, I woke up in the body of an alien, you know, (laughs) that everything started to fall apart. I needed glasses. I needed something for my thyroid. All of a sudden my arthritis, you know, and I sounded more like my mother than I did myself. And Mm -hmm. it was really a, 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 a moment of reckoning because prior to that, I'm sure like most people, I thought I was getting away with murder and I would, I'm good. Listen, this aging thing, It's not a problem, you know, but when you hit 40, reality starts to sit in. So for for the for your listeners that are a little bit younger, I would say that, you know, mindful aging is is understanding that aging is going to happen and and that you want to have a plan. You want to have a strategy. You want to say, where do I want to be in my 90s? Realizing you now have 40 plus years to plan for that. So does that mean economically plan? Does that mean you're going to go back to school for some kind of technical or academic preparation? What is it that you're going to do about your health now, today, in your 40s that will pay off later on? And of course, that urgency gets a little bit more intense when you get into your 50s and certainly into your 60s. I personally discourage people from retirement. I I really, I'm 70 years old and I am working full-time plus having my consulting company, plus all the other things I'm doing with social media, plus my family, um, you know, all of that. And I'm having the time of my life. Mm -hmm. And and I think that's so important to realize that retirement, you can can certainly step back from what you're currently doing full-time and so on, but not retire from life, retire from perhaps how you're, you know, what you're currently doing, but only to do something more indifferent. So, you know, I'm anti-retirement. I'm more about refocusing and um, staying engaged and re-energizing my life in maybe a different direction. And I think you should be employed for that. I don't think, I mean, if, if, if you're in a place where you want to volunteer, you can volunteer. 
God bless, because Lord knows we need that kind of generosity. But I think people should look at per diem work and part-time work, and, and I think there's nothing more gratifying than getting a paycheck at the end of the week. I am absolutely going to agree with you, you know, for that. And it's also interesting with what you said about, you know, retire and the word retire, because I have to admit, you know, you know that I, I did, quote unquote, retire from uh, the job that I worked at almost 40 years early. Um, and only lately have I started saying, no, I am re-inspiring and redesigning my life. And I'm taking control of it, you know, and that, once again, is where the mindful piece comes in because I'm focusing. I'm really focusing on what I want to do, when I want to do it, how I want to do it. I was recently talking to some friends of mine who still, you know, feel comfortable saying retiring. And I said, so, so what are you doing? And a friend of mine was like, exactly what I want to do. I said, well, don't you think that's redesigning and reimagining because you are taking responsibility for what you want? And they, they didn't really look at it like that. They were saying, no, I'm just resting all the time. And, and I said, well, are you really? Because every time I talk to you, you tell me you now you're going to exercise. And yeah, you went to the movies where you couldn't go before. And, you know, just taking a focus on what you want to do. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, people look at me um, again. I work full time mm -hmm. um, in a children's medical center mm -hmm. uh, doing full time coaching with all of the wonderful, most generous people on the planet that take care of, you know, children and their families. And, um, you know, people will say, well, uh, Jay, Phil, a significant birthday. You know, what, what, what are your plans? And I'm like, I have none. I'm <laughs> coming to work tomorrow morning and the day after that and the day after that, mm -hmm. because, again, the planning was to be able to have something where I could age gracefully into it. Mm. Now, full-time coaching, um, you know, I can do that even if I'm somewhat challenged physically. Um, but uh, I can honestly say, and I say with a smile, you know, to some of my younger colleagues who might be in their 50s or 40s, try keeping up with me, <laughs> you know, because I'm a busy gal. Mm -hmm. And I think the, the more... Uh, you keep your mind, body, and spirit engaged in things at, at, as you age, more things that feed your soul as opposed to feed your bank account, then you can really uh, almost rediscover a, a, a renewed purpose, perhaps in a different direction, perhaps in the same direction, but it's a renewed connection with mission and purpose. And you just need to be smart about how you take care of yourself because as you age, function is everything. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Well, even to piggyback on that a little bit, you know, the, the whole issue around ageism mm -hmm. and um, the effects of the media, all of those externals. But you also talk to people who would really like to, quote unquote, stay working. But they're, you know, they had they're under the illusion that because they have gone on, you know, they're they're older that they have to stop working. And of course, the work environment doesn't allow that to happen. But I know when you look at now with technology and, and some of the things that are happening, you can continue to learn. You can continue to um, empower yourself to move forward, even look at some of the positions that you might not have even thought about before, but take your experience and your wisdom to feel confident to, to even learn how to sell yourself a little bit, I think. I, I couldn't agree more. Mm -hmm. And in fact, you use the word that I often use when I'm coaching people who are 
looking to transition into the, to the next phase of their career, <clears throat> they're like, well, you know, I want to give this leadership position a chance, or I would like to try to do education, teaching, advocacy, mm-hmm. um, you know, patient experience, really, you know, pivoting um, in their healthcare career. And, you know, they're like, but, you know, I, I'm afraid some of the younger people will beat me out. And I said, well, you, you need to talk about your experience and your brand and what your value and your added value is that you bring to the position because you're not only bringing your years of experience. Uh, I really encourage people to avoid mm-hmm. using the word seasoned. You know, we're not pieces of uh, <laughs> meat or poultry here. You know, but but we are we are not just experienced. We are wise, and you know, no no disrespect to our younger colleagues, but they don't have the the life skills, the life disappointments, the life challenges that we have overcome successfully, and of course have added to our, you know, our sense of personal growth that we would bring to any position. Mm-hmm. And um, it, it, I think it's just invaluable. It, it really, I think we need to take time to be introspective about how we view ourselves, what is our brand, what do we bring to the table, and then be able to develop the language in four or five sentences to a potential employer, um, exactly what the full package is of you and not just the technical skills, the academic skills, and the so-called experience you're in. Mm-hmm. Okay. Now I just want to shift just very quickly to your um, your nursing hat. Mm-hmm. I was listening to a podcast that you were a guest on, and I was just so moved by a statement that you made. Um, you were talking to the host, and you were talking about the role of nurses. And you were saying something like, um, nurses are therapeutic partners. They aren't workers, or I don't remember how you said it, but that just affected me so much. Can you speak a little bit about that? I'd love to. Um, You know, I do a lot of of training, speaking, keynote speaking, and and, and I, um, for the last uh, 15 years or so, I've been really focusing in on resilience um, and really working with people who are at at risk for developing burnout, Um, whether that is professional burnout or in many cases with professional caregivers, it's also personal burnout because they are the go-to people for their families. Um, What I said is something that I I share with at every opportunity. Nurses were never meant to be helpful. Helpful, yeah. They were meant to be therapeutic. Mm -hmm. And the difference here is, you know, let's just take the air, you know, just what happens in, in an emergency department, my clinical specialty. You know, I can't, undo the head trauma from the motor vehicle crash. I can't undo the, the potential loss of limb because of complications from diabetes. I can't undo the stroke. But what I can do is lean in and help you find the strength and the ability to adjust to the new reality of your life and find a way to thrive in that new reality. Because we are so good at caring and because we are so competent and capable, we tend to mix up caregiving, professional caregiving with fixing. I'll fix this for you. And if you're in a leadership position, that can happen as well. You know, I need you to fix the schedule. I need you to fix this. I need you to fix that. No, you don't need me. You can do that. You can switch with a colleague. I'll give you the name of the people who are on the same day you are and you go and ask them to switch your days or, you know, let's bring the doctor that you're having a conflict with and you and I together and we can work this out. You, you hold the space by the people help themselves because the dark side of helping is enabling. And more than likely, we are unintentionally enabling dysfunction. 
we were meant to be therapeutic, which means that we hold the space for people, why they help themselves, and we support them in that new journey of their new reality. Well, when you look at the healthcare system, and this is actually a question through the lens of the patient experience, when you are talking about um, uh, the role of nursing around that therapeutic you know, partnership, how can I as a patient, as a receiver of health in the healthcare system, empower myself from a mindful standpoint to then try to shift and see when I have to have care from a nurse or even a provider, actually, um, to see them as my therapeutic partner? I, another great question. I, I think it's important that you you stand strong in who you are and remember you are more than likely going to be the oldest person in the room. And if you can speak for yourself, and please, dear Lord, you can, you know, when when caregivers come in or they make rounds and, you know, you're looking at people that are perhaps the age of your children, maybe your grandchildren, it gets a little intimidating because you're not quite sure how they're viewing you. So I think it's important for you as the patient to set the tone, invite them to come in, invite them to sit down, invite them to wash their hands, invite them to sit down so we can have a discussion I prefer if you sit down here, sit on my bed, sit in that chair, and let's discuss my case. Please don't talk at me. I'm perfectly capable of having this conversation with you. Um, and if it's possible for you to prepare some questions, you know, and write things down so that people don't run away before all of your questions are ads answered. But I think if you set your tone with your caregiver as competent, capable, then then you you command the respect the respect that you deserve and the thoroughness that you deserve. That is wonderful because one of the, you know, as I, I gave my intro um, to starting this program, one of the things that I really want to focus on um, with my audience is empowerment and how you become empowered. And when I use reimagine, um, when I use refocus, even when I use the word restructure, I think with the way that we're seeing ourselves as we get older, we don't feel empowered we, unless we're, we're put in a position to be defensive. And I love the way you just explained that because I sometimes feel, um, well, I, I, I all the time feel that my healthcare partners are my team and I'm in the middle of the team. And so if I can feel like, of course, my doctor, you know, knows more than I do clinically, but I also know my body. I also know myself and I want to be able to share. I want to be able to, to have my opinions about things valued. So for the way that you described it, I think that's one of the goals that I want to achieve, you know, with this program to just have people here and and get ideas on how to feel empowered and to know that it's all right to say things. It's all right for you. I love when you said, you know, to have to say to them, yes, you can sit on my bed or yes, I give you permission because that doesn't always happen. what even when it's outpatient. It's true because we, we, we still have some remnants of um, you know, hierarchy in healthcare, you know, like the doctor knows everything or, you know, whatever that may be. And quite honestly, uh, to, to your point, they may know some things more than we do in, in their academic preparation, clinical preparation, but that doesn't mean that they 
can call all the shots. The, the culture that most healthcare organizations are trying to develop now is called patient-centered. And, and to your point, you should be mm-hmm. at the center or the, the, you know, of your team and almost like the quarterback. But even if you don't feel capable of being the quarterback, you want to say, I'm glad to meet you. I'd like you to consider this my healthcare team. I need to partner with you in these cases because I don't want to be left out. And I, I really want you to understand I'm not going to accept being left out. Well, that absolutely speaks to my goal for the program to empower people to make the choices that, you know, educate them to be their best advocates and live their life fully. It really, really does. So, Phyllis, I'd like for you to tell us if you and you can choose what decade you want. But if you had to speak to your younger self and you can choose the subject focusing on mindful aging, what would you say? Um, I would probably choose my 50s um, because that was the year that I lost my significant other. He passed away uh, secondary to cancer very suddenly. Uh, by the time we got the diagnosis and, um, and he passed, it was only 30 days. Um, so it, it was in a whirlwind. And quite honestly, it didn't give me an opportunity. I, I was still trying to put my head around the reality of what was going on, but it didn't give me the opportunity to set myself up to grieve properly. And that cost me something. And uh, it, it denied my feelings, it denied my reality, but unfortunately I started misusing alcohol at that point in time in my life. And it, and that of course is never a good thing. You know, you're never at your best, you, you, never, you never portray yourself at your best and all you're doing is trying to drown your feelings. You know, as we get older, we are going to experience loss more and um, a loss of loved ones, loss of careers, maybe losses of sense of health or even our sense of independence. And I think we, we need to make sure that we have a mindset that yes, n- no denying that something is lost, but trying to put perspective around it that life is transition, that you know, I still have life to live. And, you know, I, I lost several years of my life to grief. And I think that would have made um, my significant other very sad to know that his sudden passing kind of put me on that trajectory. He wasn't responsible for it. It was a choice of my own, but it put me on that trajectory. Um, you, you know, I call these boot camp moments uh, in coaching where, you know, the absolute worst thing that you ever thought would happen, you didn't want to happen is happening. and. These do not have to cause post-traumatic stress. They can actually, if you lean in and sometimes Mm -hmm. ask for help, you can actually transition into something that's known as post-traumatic growth. And you experience life quite differently. And it adds to the substance and purpose of you going forward. Thank you for sharing. Thank you for your transparency. That is so important. As we're starting to wrap up, I want to just remind our listeners that we are listening to WBCA 102.9 FM, Boston's community radio station, and this is the Mindful Aging Show, and I am your host, Sebra B. In my intro that I recorded um, last month, and I want you to know that this is going to be a monthly offering for you, I talked about all of my goals for the show, and I talked about understanding what mindful aging is. And I think that Phyllis hit it on the mark today with sharing what mindful aging is, staying focused, having a purpose. 
She also shared with us what she feels purposeful living is all about. And the thing that I am so connected with is I'm also a septuagenarian, as I said (laughs) in my intro, and I am getting that new zest for life. I know that you know that I I was a caregiver for my mom for a couple of years, and that was very, very difficult, but it gave me so much joy and gave me a different perspective on how to appreciate life and really to live mindfully. So as I'm closing out, if there's anything special, if there's a special, special message that you'd like to give to some of our nanogenarians that say, I don't know why I'm still here. Would you have one? I would just simply say that it is never too late while you're breathing. While you're breathing, you can be living fully. Um, I know, you know, sometimes uh, there are distractions from chronic pain issues or um, other issues, but there's, if you, if you allow yourself the opportunity to be introspective and mindful, you will access that, that that internal wisdom that we all have, some of us call it perception, whatever that is, but that internal wisdom that will then point you in that next direction. Lean in. It's never too late. Thank you so much, Phyllis. Thank you for your time. Thank you for your wisdom. Thank you. Blessings to everybody. Thank you. You have been listening to WBCA 102.9 FM, Boston's community radio station. This is the Mindful Aging Show. I am your host, Sebra. I am looking forward to sharing with you next month. We have so many things that we're going to talk about. Have a great day. Have a great life. And remember, focus and be mindful. I want to